Well, good morning, Greenwich, and welcome to the Friday, May 14th edition of the Basement Academy. We come to the end of the week, a full week it has been. Invite your prayers for our family as we are on the eve of my mother's service. Thank you for continued prayer, encouragement, uh, wonderful cards, notes, texts, etc. that we received. Uh, what a joy to be part of this church family, and as we gather to celebrate uh, my mother's life tomorrow and honor her. Um, it, it's a private family only. Uh, we've invited a few close family friends, but we will be live streaming uh, the service for any who may wish to participate. Uh, thank you for the many who, who love my mother dearly, and uh, we're sorry we can't have everybody in the house uh, to, to celebrate with us. Uh, but it'll be live stream in the same way you would you would see the Sunday morning church services. Just go to our homepage, uh, GreenwichPres.org, and there you will see the button uh, to view uh, the the uh, funeral service. So thank you, thank you for that. Let's begin with a psalm, uh, one of the shortest psalms uh, in the Bible, Psalm 134. As the reflection on Ecclesiastes will point us towards worship, uh, this seems appropriate. Psalm 134. Praise the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, who minister by night in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and praise the Lord. May the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, bless you from Zion. That's it. Three verses. <laughs> It seems to be directed towards those who are actually ministering, the, the servants, the, the Levites, uh, the others who have responsibility uh, within uh, the temple, within the sanctuary, and particularly those who have the night watch. And so, again, this is one of the pilgrim psalms as God's people are moving towards Jerusalem. These uh, 15 psalms that they would sing or recite or chant preparing them uh, to enter into the house of the Lord. And so it's a blessing, asking a blessing upon those who serve. Uh, may the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, bless you from Zion. Okay, we come to the end of the week. We have been reading a chapter a day from the book of Ecclesiastes. Uh, if you've been with us all week, you, you know it's hard stuff. But it's good, isn't it? There's, it's bold, it's direct, um, they're searching, honest assessments. Um, there's places where there's tension, right? There's some tension. You know, pursuing uh, our various interests and all of a sudden we find ourselves unsatisfied and yet there's a time for everything and recognizing that, that when we see that the purpose of our life is not to please ourselves and not to seek our own ends, but to seek the ends of God. Uh, the, the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. But we see that there is tension in the places of justice. We find injustice. Wealth does not always uh, bring contentment and, and satisfaction. And so uh, chapter five um, begins in the house of the Lord. And so uh, let me read chapter five. Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. Go near to listen 
rather than to offer the sacrifice of fools who do not know that they do wrong. Do not be quick with your mouth. Do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. God is in heaven and you are on earth, so let your words be few. As a dream comes when there are many cares, so the speech of a fool when there are many words. When you make a vow to God, do not delay in fulfilling it. He has no pleasure in fools. Fulfill your vow. It is better not to vow than to make a vow and not to fulfill it. Do not let your mouth lead you into sin. And do not protest to the temple messenger, My vow was a mistake. Why should God be angry at what you say and destroy the work of your hands? Much dreaming and many words are meaningless. Therefore, stand in awe of God. If you see the poor oppressed in a district and justice and rights denied, do not be surprised at such things. For one official is eyed by a higher one, and over them both are others higher still. The increase from the land is taken by all. The king himself profits from the fields. Whoever loves money never has money enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with his income. This too is meaningless. As goods increase, so do those who consume them. And what benefit are they to the owner except to feast his eyes on them? The sleep of a laborer is sweet, whether he eats little or much, but the abundance of a rich man permits him no sleep. I have seen a grievous evil under the sun, wealth hoarded to the harm of its owner, or wealth lost through some misfortune, so that when he has a son there is nothing left for him. Naked a man comes from his mother's womb, and as he comes, so he departs. He takes nothing from his labor that he can carry in his hand. This too is a grievous evil. As a man comes, so he departs. And what does he gain since he toils for the wind? All his days he eats in darkness with great frustration, affliction, and anger. Then I realized that it is good and proper for a man to eat and drink and to find satisfaction in his toilsome labor under the sun during the few days of life God has given him, for this is his lot. Moreover, when God gives any man wealth and possessions and enables him to enjoy them to accept his lot and be happy in his work, this is a gift of God. He seldom reflects on the days of his life because God keeps him occupied with gladness of heart. Ecclesiastes chapter 5. Kind of like this chapter. Uh, we begin with a reflection on wisdom and folly uh, in the house of God, in, in worship. Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. Maybe there's an allusion here to Moses at the burning bush. Moses, Moses, take off your shoes for the ground on which you stand is holy. And so there's this notion of don't bring soil, your soiled shoes into, get, get to your bare feet, 
let your humanity be your humility before the almighty God. And so Moses has this experience. And so maybe there's an illusion here. Guard your steps. Watch your feet, I think is the, the original Hebrew. It's something like that. Watch your feet when you go to the house of God. Don't just come stomping on in. Be respectful. Be aware. Be alert. Be attentive. Where have you been? Your shoes, as it were, represent where you've been. Pay attention to where you've been and what you've done as you come before uh, the house of God, before God. Don't just barge on in, stumble on in. All right, here I am. Let's go to work. Let's go to worship. Go near to listen rather than offer the sacrifice of fools. So the wise person goes to worship to listen. This is an echo of what uh, Eric was preaching on uh, this past Sunday. The parable of the sower, the good soil, the noble heart. Be careful how you listen. Consider how you listen. And so this, again, Jesus in telling the, telling the parable may have some of this in mind. There may be some illusion uh, going on. And so go near to listen rather than to offer the sacrifice of fools who do not know that they do wrong. The fool has no awareness, no self-examination, right? The, the, the wise person examines themselves and knows, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. But the fool, hey, God, here I am, let's go. Do not be quick with your mouth. Do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. This sounds like James, right? Again, perhaps James, attentive. James would have been aware of the scriptures. He would have known the Hebrew scriptures. Be slow to speak. Be quick to listen. Slow to speak. Slow to become angry. Be quick to listen. God wants us to lead with our ears, not our tongues. Let's pay attention to what's going on. Let's, let's listen in the house of God. Let's give attention to God's word. Let's consider how we can apply that to our lives rather than to kind of, you know, bust on in. And so uh, let your words be few. Uh, Ecclesiastes 5, 2. When words are many, sin is not absent. Um, the, the writer of Proverbs uh, says, so again, this Solomonic book of Ecclesiastes seems to echo and, and dovetail with the Solomonic Proverbs in the book of Proverbs. And then <clears throat> when you make a vow to God, do not delay in fulfilling it. He has no pleasure in fools. Fulfill your vow. Maybe this is the sacrifice of fools. Okay, We're not told exactly what the sacrifice of fools is. Go near to listen rather than to offer the sacrifice of fools. The fool vows something and doesn't fulfill it. Whatever that vow may be, God, I'm going to, and then fill in the blank. Whatever vow you speak to God, whatever commitment you make to God, fulfill it. It would be better, the writer says, it would be better not to vow at all than to vow and not fulfill it. And so I wonder if the sacrifice of fools is somehow tied into, I'm going to use a phrase here that I hope makes sense, performative religion, okay? 
a performative life is a, is a life of acting. It, it's performing. It, it's really the life of the hypocrites, right? The 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 fat the the Sar- Sadducees and Pharisees. I'm sorry, I couldn't get that out. The Pharisees were hypocrites. Hypocrite is a word drawn from the the stage. It's the one who acts the part. Is not really that person. So all of our actors, that you know, they're not really that person. They're acting. They're saying lines that someone has written for them. And when they convince us, we are drawn into the story. And so performative religion is play-act religion. They're acting at interest in God. They're acting at religion. And so the Pharisees, you know, drew near with their lips, but their hearts were far from them, uh, Jesus says. Uh, they, They want people to notice them when they're saying their prayers. They want people to notice them when they're giving their alms. They want people to notice them when they're fasting. That's performative religion. That's the sacrifice of a fool, making a vow to God with no intention of fulfilling it. God, I'm going to, I'm going to give you this if you can do this for me. So usually there's a bargain that goes on in the context of vow. It can be, not always, but making a vow to God, making a pledge, whether it's a pledge of time, whether it's a pledge of money, whether it's a pledge of some kind of service or other commitment. God, I'm never going to do that again. I promise. It would be better not to promise anything, make that vow, than to make the vow because God takes us seriously. Not to do so, to invoke God's name in vain. You know, I think there's a, pretty sure there was something in the Bible about that, right? Do not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. And we often think that means swearing, you know, cussing in God's name. And I don't need to, you know what I mean by that, right? Yeah, don't do that either. Don't use God's name in a profane way in cursing somebody, but neither invoke God's name in prayer or in some other way when you have no intention of fulfilling that promise or that vow or that commitment that you're making to God. That, I think, is the sacrifice of all. Go near to listen, not speak. People sometimes get, and I don't, I don't mean anything by this to to offend anybody, but again, Ecclesiastes is the pastor's companion, can often say things that the pastor may be reluctant to say. And so I I gently offer that sometimes people get chatty about religion. Oh, you know, I've got God figured out and, you know, I can't believe God's doing this and I I don't know why God would allow that. And I'm going to, you know, you know, the man upstairs, you know, kind of casual chummy ways of referring to God. It's just better not to do that. The wise person considers their steps. They, they, that is, they figuratively or literally take off their shoes when they go to the house of God. Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. Go near to listen, not, not speak, not vow, not chat, not, not be chummy. And stand in awe of God. Because worship is about giving attention to God. It's not about, God, what can you do for me? It's, God, you have made me. God, have mercy on me. Yeah, yeah, comfort me, heal me, restore me, forgive me. But not bargaining with God. Hey, I'll do this for you if you do this for me. Okay? So I think that's 
part of what's going on here. And so these are important words that they, we would do well to read them on Saturday night before we come to church or, or perhaps Sunday morning before coming to church. Let us go give our best attention and best energy uh, to the worship of Almighty God. Then he turns to uh, kind of back to a theme that has been touched on uh, about injustice. If you see the poor oppressed in a district and justice and rights denied, do not be surprised at such things. We've already read earlier in the week, in the place of justice, there is wickedness. Um, power is on the side of the oppressor. And so this is what life is east of Eden. Um, community life is broken. It, it's, when it goes well, we, we marvel at that, right? And we're thankful when it does. But we should not be surprised when we see justice and rights denied and it's this idea that one official is eyed by a higher one and over them both are others higher still. And so there's this kind of hierarchy, this chain of command. And people sometimes, rather than doing things to adjudicate the case in front of them with wisdom and fairness and justice, sometimes they're, they're looking up, hey, what do you want me to do in this situation? What's going to make you happy? Instead of what's the right thing to do, it's looking one level higher on the chain of command. And sometimes you have someone unjust and unwise. You have a fool in that chain of command, a power-hungry uh, person that maybe wants bribes, you know, and so bribery gets involved with all this stuff. And so that's, don't be surprised. And I love that kind of language. In an East of Eden fallen world, we should not be surprised about anything that happens. People act, I mean, people I think generally are surprised when public officials, you know, are caught in corruption. Sadly, you know, we're, we're, well, maybe gladly, we're less surprised when that happens. We do expect more out of our leaders. They take a vow uh, to publicly uphold the Constitution, et cetera, and then we find that they are lawbreakers themselves. But we should not be surprised because we know the heart of humanity. We Christians know that all have fallen short of the glory of God, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So do not be surprised when we encounter injustice, corruption, bribery, scandals. It's sad. We wish it weren't so. But again, this is why we need Ecclesiastes. Don't be surprised when these things happen. And then it goes on. <laughs> Whoever loves money never has money enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with his income. Don't be surprised about that stuff either. The New Testament picks up on that. The Apostle Paul, the love of money is the root of many kinds of evil. It's not money is the root of evil. It's the love of money is the root of many kinds of evil. It, money corrupts because money gives us access. It, it gives us a sense of security. It gives us power. We believe when we've got money, we can do things. We can accomplish. Money can buy a lot of things, right? And maybe part of the sacrifice of fools is, I think I can buy God's favor. I'm trying to impress God by making that vow. And so money has a distorting quality to it, but it never satisfies. Whoever loves money never has money enough. 
the old joke. <laughs> How much is enough? Just a little bit more. Just a little bit more. As goods increase, so do those who consume them. Mm. But the sleep of a laborer is sweet. Hmm. Whether he eats little or much. And so the, the, the laborer, you know, they, 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 they give themselves with their body, with their, whether it's manual labor or, labor or other kinds of labor. We give ourselves after a good day's work, a good week's work. We sleep well. You know, you, you've given yourself an earnest, honest toil. But it goes on, the abundance of a rich man permits him no sleep. The rich man can hire the people to do the labor, but then they get busy. Oh, I don't want to run out of money. <laughs> Dude, you got so much money. You got nothing to worry about. But there's something, money again corrupts. The, the, the numbers are so big. Sometimes the, the greediest and the miserliest person are, are, are the richest people. They, they've got everything. And so it, 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 it shapes the character, it misshapes the character. I guess that's the way to say it. And then wealth is hoarded to the harm of its owner or wealth is lost through some misfortune. Again, people take a flyer and, you know, in the stock market or something. Naked we come from our mother's womb. Naked we depart. Hmm. He takes nothing from his labor that he can carry in his hand. You cannot take it with you. And so again, wisdom, wisdom says, be content. Trust that God will provide. There's a time for everything. <laughs> There's a time to make some money. There's a time to lose some money. There's a time to spend some money. There's a time to save some money. Again, th those aren't listed in Ecclesiastes 3, but, but they're included in that notion, okay? There's a time to engage in business. There's a time to, to back away from certain, uh, certain ventures. <clears throat> and so it's this idea that we, we cannot take our money, our things, our possessions with us. Naked we come into the world, naked we depart. We come from the dust to the dust we return. And so again, this, it's this, this wisdom that, that the writer of Ecclesiastes is giving us. We will live well when we keep mortality in view. <laughs> when we keep these Basic truths and realities. Money will never satisfy. Pleasure will ultimately never satisfy. Trying to ha have all the power to rule over others is never going to satisfy. If that's what you make your aim, you will be a sad, depressed, discouraged, despairing person indeed. But sweet is the sleep of a laborer. And then I love this theme that, that the writer keeps coming back to. Then I realize that it is good and proper for a man to eat and drink and to find satisfaction in his toilsome labor under the sun during the few days of life God has given him. For this is his lot. We all have a lot in life, right? It, and that's where the word lottery comes from, right? The lot, you know, the short straw, the long straw. So um, the, the writer of, of the Psalm says, um, you have assigned me my portion and my cup. You have made my lot secure. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. And I think that some of that's the idea that the land was divided by lot. Okay, you draw the straw and say, okay, we're going to give this land to this tribe. When, when Joshua led the people into the land. And so we don't determine our own inheritance. It's, it's others who determine the inheritance for us, right? 
Um, and, and so, so much of life that comes to us comes not by our choice, by our decision. It comes somewhat by lot, right? And so the, the abilities that we have, you know, I was born into this family with this body, you know, I, I've tried to improve myself as best I can. I probably could have done more and should do more, but, you know, I've had the teachers I've had. I didn't choose many of my teachers. I just chose the class or I went to school and I had this teacher to teach me how to do math and how to read. And, and some of those things are kind of just chance, right? There's by lot. And so it's this notion of just being content. Some people say, be content with the cards you're dealt or play the hand you're dealt in life. And it, it's the same idea. And so moreover, when God gives any man wealth and possessions and enables him to enjoy them, to accept his lot and be happy in his work, this is the gift of God. And so it's a call to contentment. Don't strive, don't worry, don't fret, don't, don't, don't be all about the money, be all about the wealth, be all about the power and ruling over other people, kind of angling to get your way, bribing the officials along the way, cutting the corners. You can live that way. You can live that way. And east of Eden, in a fallen world, a lot of people do live that way. But the teacher, the preacher is saying, it doesn't add up. It doesn't, it doesn't satisfy. That's not the kind of life that brings joy, that brings contentment, that brings happiness. And so guard your steps when you go to the house of God. Go near to listen. Offer a simple prayer, a, a simple offering to God. Pray his blessing. Receive the gifts that God gives. Be thankful for the meal, the daily bread. Uh, be, be, be thankful for the work we have. And when you're lacking in bread and you're lacking in work, then appeal to God for care and know that life is hard east of Eden and continue to give yourself and attention to God. He seldom reflects on the days of his life because God keeps him occupied with gladness of heart. I love it when Time passed swiftly and you look at it, wow, how did that happen? Well, <laughs> you know, time flies when you're having a good time. With those who are engaged in their work, when those who are engaged in family life, engaged in church life, engaged in community life, time passes. That's one of the things my mom, uh, for these recent years, and particularly this last year when she turned 90, she goes, how did I get to be 90? <laughs> and we kind of remember her 80th. Uh, we had a special party for her and celebrating with her and dad. And then all of a sudden, another decade went by. Uh, and so it's because she enjoyed life and she was engaged in, in relationships and service and phone calls and cards. And, and, and then all of a sudden, okay, the end of life came. But there was a joy and a contentment that she experienced. And I think whether... You know, she based it on Ecclesiastes, probably not, but it was, you know, she was a God-fearing woman. And for this, we give thanks. So chapter five, a great chapter. I uh, hope these reflections are helpful to you. And so as we go to the house of God this coming weekend, um, it, it, we're going to try something a little different. I'm going to be home on Sunday with our family, enjoying uh, a family brunch after the funeral. That's the plan. Uh, 
folks in the church are, are, are preparing that. Uh, it, I'm, I'm told <laughs> it's all going to be, be be working together for, for in that way. But I'm going to pre-record a sermon for Sunday. And so uh, to carry on just some, th this parable of the sower. Uh, and so we'll be with you in this kind of manner uh, for those who are attending worship. It'll be a little different, um, but we've done that before last fall. Eric brought us a, a recorded message and, and we'll hope this works and, and trust uh, the, the, the kindness and graciousness of Greenwich um, in that regard. So, well, let us pray as we close out uh, this reflection in this week. Let's pray. Father, we bless you and how we thank you. <clears throat> we thank you for the house of God, the, the place of worship. Oh, teach us to guard our steps and to guard our lips and to guard our hearts that we would not come in in, in the way of the fool. And so, Lord, hear our prayer even now that you would cultivate a humility, a wisdom, a wonder in worship, that we would draw near to listen uh, rather than to speak so much. And we thank you for Greenwich and our sister churches and all the churches that we've enjoyed and attended over the years that have nurtured us in, in faith, hope, and love. Continue to do so, we pray. And Lord, cultivate a contentment in our lives with what you have provided, the wealth, the money, the possessions, the, the jobs, the family, the lot. You have assigned us our portion and our cup. You have made our lot secure, and for that we thank you. And so we give our attention to you and our gratitude to you for another full week, praying in the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. And may God give you great contentment and great joy in the lot that he has assigned for you. And may you find his blessing rest upon and resting upon you and your family now and forevermore. Amen.